Standing on a seat at the side of the hall is a little mad old woman in a squeezed bonnet who is always in court and always expecting some incomprehensible judgment to be given in her favour. Some say she really is, or was, a party to a suit, but no one knows for certain because no one cares. Jarndyce and Jarndyce drones on. This scarecrow of a suit has, in course of time, become so complicated that no man alive knows what it means. Scores of persons have deliriously found themselves made parties in Jarndyce and Jarndyce without knowing how or why. Whole families have inherited legendary hatreds with the suit. The little plaintiff or defendant who was promised a new rocking horse when Jarndyce and Jarndyce should be settled has grown up, possessed himself of a real horse, and trotted away into the other world. There are not three Jarndyces left upon the earth, perhaps, since old Tom Jarndyce, in despair, blew his brains out at a coffee-house in Chancery Lane. But Jarndyce and Jarndyce still drags its dreary length before the court, perennially hopeless. Jarndyce and Jarndyce has passed into a joke. That is the only good that has ever come of it. It has been death to many, but it is a joke in the profession. How many people out of the suit, Jarndyce and Jarndyce, has stretched forth its unwholesome hand to spoil and corrupt would be a very wide question. Thus, in the midst of the mud and at the heart of the fog, sits the Lord High Chancellor in his High Court of Chancery. In reference, proceeds the Chancellor, still on Jarndyce and Jarndyce, to the young girl and boy whom I directed to be in attendance today and who are now in my private room, I will see them and satisfy myself as to the expediency of making the order for their residing with their cousin. I will mention the matter tomorrow morning when I take my seat. The Chancellor has dexterously vanished. Everybody else quickly vanishes too. The empty court is locked up. If all the injustice it has committed and all the misery it has caused could only be locked up with it, and the whole burnt away in a great funeral pyre, why so much the better for other parties than the parties in Jarndyce and Jarndyce? Chapter 2 In Fashion It is but a glimpse of the world of fashion that we want on this same miry afternoon. It is not a large world. There is much good in it, there are many good and true people in it, but the evil of it is that it is a world wrapped up in too much jeweller's cotton and fine wool. It is a deadened world, and its growth is sometimes unhealthy for want of air. My Lady Dedlock has returned to her house in town for a few days previous to her departure for Paris, where her ladyship intends to stay some weeks, my Lady Dedlock has been down at what she calls, in familiar conversation, her place in Lincolnshire. The weather for many a day and night has been so wet that the trees seem wet through. The vases on the stone terrace in the foreground catch the rain all day, and the heavy drops fall, drip, 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 upon the broad flagged pavement called from old time the ghost walk all night. My Lady Dedlock says she has been bored to death. Therefore my Lady Dedlock has come away from the place in Lincolnshire and has left it to the rain and the crows and the rabbits and the deer and the partridges and pheasants. Sir Leicester Dedlock is only a baronet, but there is no mightier baronet than he. His family is as old as the hills and infinitely more respectable. 
He has a general opinion that the world might get on without hills, but would be done up without deadlocks. He is an honourable, obstinate, truthful, high-spirited, intensely prejudiced, perfectly unreasonable man. Sir Leicester is twenty years, full measure, older than my lady. He will never see sixty-five again, nor perhaps sixty-six, nor yet sixty-seven. He is ceremonious, stately, most polite on every occasion to my lady, and holds her personal attractions in the highest estimation. His gallantry to my lady is the one little touch of romantic fancy in him. Indeed, he married her for love. A whisper still goes about that she had not even family. Howbeit, Sir Leicester had so much family that perhaps he had enough and could dispense with any more. But she had beauty, pride, ambition, insolent resolve, and sense enough to portion out a legion of fine ladies.